Welcome to the next episode in our series of Beyond Brexit podcasts. Today, we're discussing the people and immigration issues. I'm Gaynor Bagley, PwC's Head of Corporate Purpose. On many previous episodes of these podcasts, we have talked about the need for business to evaluate the impact on their business of various Brexit scenarios, and the key areas to look at are people, trade and economics. This podcast discusses some of the people issues businesses should be considering. Today, I'm joined by Ben Wilkins, People and Organisation Partner in the UK, and Katrina Cooper, Director in our Immigration Practice. So Ben, what is the key people issue you are seeing your clients include in their Brexit planning? Well, Gainer, I think the first thing that clients are focusing on is data. So that's understanding who their people who, are, who potentially are affected by Brexit are. So where their EU citizens sit in their organisation, where their UK citizens based in the European Union are located, what the skills those individuals have and how valuable those skills are to the organisation. Um, and then look at other metrics around, um, around that their population who are affected by Brexit. Um, so that's the base case, that's understanding what's at risk, what, what, what areas do you need to be conscious of in terms of your people. Um, secondly, I think clients are really focused on integrated planning, making sure that what they do from a people perspective, perspective is linked into their broader Brexit planning. Mm -hmm. um, there's no point doing these things in isolation. Um, and uh, one's got to follow the other. The people has got to be a subsidiary of the overall Brexit strategy for the organisation. Um, and thirdly, I think operational considerations are really key at the moment because we are only um, a year and a half or so away from, uh, from March 2019. Um, and if you're planning back from that time frame um, and thinking about what changes you're going to need to make in your organisation, there isn't a lot of time to think about it. And whilst the political debate is ongoing um, and clarity really isn't there yet, organisations are increasingly no longer having the luxury of being able to wait around. Um, so really planning into your operational cycle the changes that you're going to need mm -hmm, to make. Mm -hmm. So data is absolutely key. And actually, the integration point is really relevant, isn't it? Because you may find you're very reliant on EU nationals in a key linch point of your supply chain. So you have got to look at both together. Absolutely. And, and what about further down on the supply chain? Are you seeing actual uh, clients start to start to think about, do I have a, somebody in my supply chain that's very dependent, that's going to be really impacted by free movement? Absolutely. That, that, that's also key because um, organisations, particularly in the kind of just-in-time market in which we operate at the moment, if one of your key suppliers within your supply chain is heavily dependent on uh, EU citizens or on Brits in a certain part of the European Union, um, knowing that that, that dependency exists and knowing that the organisation is doing something about it I think is equally important. Mm -hmm. So really integrated planning and that's not just about your own organisation but your broader supply chain yeah, network. Yeah, yeah. So we'll come back to some actions in a minute but while we're talking about planning of course we can talk about the impact on business as a whole but we're talking about people here. So what are we seeing clients do actually to support the actual individuals who may be impacted? So, I mean, Gainer, I've been, I've been really lucky to be able to work with, you know, a really broad cross-section of clients in terms of looking at, you know, the people and the immigration. And to Ben's point, you know, I mean, data has been critically important. You know, a lot of clients just didn't even have the data. I mean, whilst they've done the right to work checks, etc., it's about how they've recorded that. So, you know, a lot of clients have just been struggling to get that data on their system so they can start doing that, that sort of analysis. So, and I think it's fair to say that there's probably different industry sectors who have been more advanced in terms of that planning element. You know, the FS sector is, you know, a prime example. You know, they, they've got critical, you know, regulatory requirements that they need to meet. So understanding their people perspective has been, you know, very crucial. Um, it, 
For me, one of the first things that clients need to really think about is their, their communication and how they communicate. And that communication piece actually will vary depending upon their EU workforce. So for instance, I had um, one client who had a very young EU workforce who, you know, they, they were pretty agile in terms of their ability to come and go and, and, and that's the attitude they took. But I had another client, you know, where 80% of their board was actually EU nationals and, you know, they were key decision makers and being able to really understand and ensure how they were going to stay in the country was critically important. So we've been working with a variety of clients on one, different communication strategies, different, different opportunities to be able to um, also support their employees in a different way. Um, at the very end of the spectrum, you know, I've had, I've had a real pleasure of being able to work with one client who supported the registration of 900 EU nationals within the UK. And it was an incredible project because it was the emotional goodwill that that generated within the business. So even though they understood that there may have been um, registration at the end of all this that's also going to be required, What's really transpired is that a lot of these individuals sort of had their head in their sand and, and some of them are actually crying at the opportunity of what their employee was doing. I mean, that's absolutely one end of the spectrum. Um, but for those clients where citizenship is an option, uh, it, and it's quite often it's not the employee who's the problem, it's the dependents. And that's where, you know, a lot of the concern comes. So whilst the employee might have been working for five years, it's the dependents which, which are quite often the challenging piece. So being able to, you know, whether or not clients want to support them or the communication that they give to them is also something that, you know, clients need to start thinking about. Um, so that just gives you an idea of the sort of things we're seeing from a client perspective. And it, and it really is across the range in terms of the levels of support that they're being able to give. So it still comes down to the same answer, you know, understanding who's likely to be impacted and, and sort of honest, transparent communication and some are going as far as really supporting. So particularly if you've got people who you think have been there for a long time who might want citizenship, that's a really important thing to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah interesting. So um, we did think we talk about actual planning and Ben, you mentioned mm. that actually that if you think about the time scale, there isn't much time. It's they're like one and a half recruitment cycles, I've heard you say. Yeah. So what actually are you seeing people actually do? Mm. So really in terms of practicalities, um, Katrina, you picked up on communications and having a a clear communication strategy to engage with the populations who are really affected. We've, we've talked about that. Um, analytics, using that data to make insightful decisions um, and insightful interventions in the workforce. Um, that might, for example, be um, if you're aware of the fact that a, a significant population of your junior talent are EU citizens, it might be thinking about, um, a, a, and if you foresee that under whatever scenario we end up with, and post-Brexit, there may be constraints on that junior talent coming into the UK. Thinking about a different recruitment strategy, thinking about training strategies, thinking about how do you source that talent differently in the future, recognising there'll be more of a level playing field between the EU and the rest of the world from an immigration perspective and casting the net a bit more uh, widely than previously. So clients are certainly beginning to think about um, the operational changes there around, um, around recruitment. Um, training, I think, is a really interesting one. If you think as well at the, at the same time as 
Brexit's kind of looming on the horizon, we've had the advent of things like the apprenticeship mm -hmm. levy in the UK, which should be moving training and skills development up the agenda um, from a people perspective. Um, and clients, I think, at the moment are seeing the apprenticeship levy as a cost. Um, I think they'll quickly begin to think about it more of a, a, as a resource and understand what they can get out of the levy, out of the fund, to help them train replacement resources for those that they may no longer be able to source from within the EU. Um, so I think it's a mixture of looking at uh, re recruitment um, strategies going forward, at training strategies. Um, Brexit's probably also been a bit of an accelerant for organisations thinking about automation mm -hmm. um, and digitalisation of their delivery model um, and are really beginning to um, see a sort of some of those um, th um, thoughts becoming actions. Um, so, for example, in certain industries, retail, um, hospitality, uh, travel, where um, human interaction is part of the, the delivery model at the moment, organisations really are beginning to think about robotics and um, uh, uh, automation of processes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a reaction to the perception that perhaps cost of labour will go up, and particularly at the junior or uh, the, the less skilled end of the, of the uh, labour force, and thinking about how that spend could be um, directed differently um, to replace that, um, that, that labour going forward. So that's that's still, it's still you know, for everyone, it's still very uncertain. So we're not seeing lock, stock and barrel, big movements or big actions. But if people are already planning, it's maybe accelerating some of their plans. I, I think with the exception of the FS sector, where there certainly has been a lot of activity in moving roles and moving jobs um, into the European Union, into subsidiaries from a regulatory perspective, um, other organisations are at the beginning of uh, uh, focusing on, on, on those moves. I think once organisations decide that they need to move roles, um, then many of them have uh, well-organised mobility functions and processes for doing that. Um, I think one of the areas that we will see um, increasingly um, is more commuter type movement. So a situation where a role moves from the UK into the European Union, but potentially the individual only wants to go three or four days a week because of family connections back into the UK. Now that's something that employers really do need to be aware of because there are considerable employment tax, permanent establishment, social security, employment law considerations with that type of working pattern. Um, so we're certainly seeing an uptick in clients realising that that will be part of their, their workforce of the future um, and beginning to plan around it. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a good way of thinking there because that's quite a flexible strategy, just do it part time, let's just move the, the bare number of people. But what you're saying is make sure you still keep advi take advice around that because there are different issues if Absolutely. you take that, more, that more flexible approach. That's interesting. Katrina, I did want to bring you back in because I know you've been involved working with the Home Office on the consultation they're doing, these migration advisory committees. Are you able to share a little bit about your experience through working through with the Home Office on that? Absolutely. And, and it's been really fascinating, actually. You know, the whole point of the consultation, the, the Home Secretary asks the Migration Advisory Committee to really go out to businesses to, to drill down on the data that they hold. So whilst the Home Office has a good understanding of the number of EU nationals. They don't really have any data in terms of the impact that they have from a social and economic benefit for you know, businesses per se. So part of that um, report was that they were asking, or, or the Commission, they're asking businesses to really have a look at the migration trends, their recruitment practices, training and skills, and of course, the economic, social and fiscal impacts. And, and it was around, um, we ran a series of industry-based roundtables, and, and there were certainly themes that came through in each of those roundtables that we did run with the, with the MAC. Um, and, and some of those themes were, were first of all, is, 
is the uncertainty. I mean, everyone, it is this level of uncertainty the, and the inability to make you know, clear decisions. So even though there was the offer of, of um, the settled status paper that sort of came out as a suggestion and also around sort of the leaked white paper, which gave a suggestion that, you know, over time it could possibly be like a registration process. And even it's quite common knowledge that um, the immigration minister has suggested that this registration process will be as simple as renewing your driver's license, although uh, having recently renewed it, I'm not sure that that is as simple as it sounds. Um, but there are there are options available, but it's still the uncertainty that that businesses are finding um, terribly important to create further decisions around their recruitment, their training, etc. To your point, Ben, actually around the cost, um, whilst you were focused on the apprenticeship levy, under obviously the the tier two scheme, they've recently introduced the immigration skills levy. Now that adds an extra five thousand pounds to every non EEA national that businesses bring over. And one of the themes that was coming out in these discussions was that the businesses that were paying this didn't think they were actually getting enough of that back for the purpose of mm. training. You know, they're fully committed to training, you know, the, the local population, the resident labour market, and they want to upskill them. But they thought that there should be more um, engagement with government in terms of how that pot is being split. Is yeah, 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 that's interesting. So, so, so that's, that's really interesting to think about there, there could well be an additional cost or some additional admin, but it's quite difficult for businesses to evaluate that cost. Presumably, there's a worst case scenario that businesses could be doing. Are you seeing that sort of analysis? Is, is the government seeking that worst case scenario evaluation? So it's difficult to say whether the government's seeking that worst case scenario, but you know, from the client perspective, I mean, they're, they're starting to build up worst case scenarios. And, and for them, you know, one of the other key areas is is the compliance and the administrative yeah. burden that yeah. this may have on them. You know, we're already seeing compared to several years ago, a lot of the compliance departments or immigration in itself, you know, is now you know a department where it never was previously. So clients are almost having to do a bit of a stress test on their existing compliance department because if it's not coping at the moment you know whose burden will it be if there is now a requirement to cross-reference right to work checks or, or for all of their EU population so you know it's these questions that they're starting to think about so at least the conversation's happening and some of the issues that business may have is starting to be surfaced but I guess what you're saying is that the conversation has only just started correct um, it is also, there, there was another point we've talked about before is that it's very easy to focus on uh, sort of permanent or, or medium term transfers. But of course, in the services industry, such as our own, lots of people move around just for short term work. Mm. And that's really important to factor into any conversation with the government, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think I would definitely be encouraging clients to, again, analyse their data and analyse their businesses. Because, you know, for years, you know, us Brits have been able to say, says an Australian, um, is, is able to just, you know, go over to Europe and work. You know, even within PwC, we have people regularly on secondment on a week in, week out basis. But ultimately, depending upon what the final agreement will be, we will have to work out if that's even possible. Because not only would there be tax and other implications, but what is an allowable business visitor activity is going to be questionable, questionable depending upon the country that they, which European country they're going to be visiting, and whether or not you know their ability to work 
is going to be possible. So there's st there's a lot of questions yeah. that are at, at the moment unanswered. Yes, yeah, so going back to the scenario planning where we started, factoring in some additional admin or actual real cost of bringing in non-EU or even actually the, the EU people in, into, the, into the workforce all the way around needs to be factored in. Absolutely. Well, that was a very rich discussion. I think we're probably going to have to have more of these actually as the negotiations progress. But thank you very much to both of you for your input and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, you can find all of our Brexit-related content, including other episodes of the podcast, on our website, www.pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. Mm -hmm.